everybody? Are you ready for this? Okay. Well, it's not a free trip, but it's $150 off your next Sunwing adventure. So if you want to head on over there and she'll sort you out. <laughs> it's a bone-chilling day in downtown Toronto, but you wouldn't know it by looking at this storefront on Queen Street West. There are tropical flowers, fruity drinks, and a mariachi band. People are lined up, hoping their turn at a bright orange slot machine will win them a trip to the beach. Just pull the lever down and let it go. $1,000? One million. Well, no. But you are getting some exclusive Sunwing swag. You want to head over to the bar? And it's all part of Sunwing's Orange Friday pop-up event. Rachel Goldrick is the tour operator's senior communications manager. She says this pop-up is designed to give shoppers a taste of Mexico and tempt them to book a holiday. We're obviously, you know, heading into the coldest months of the year. It really is like an injection of sunshine. And I think sort of the feeling and the feedback that we get from our customers to be able to come in and sort of touch and feel, you know, and get a real sort of feeling of what it's actually like to go to a destination. It just translates into positive energy, really, I think. Sunwing's pop-up shop is just one example of a new trend that combines short-term leasing with experiential retail. Until a few years ago, the concept was unique and somewhat unusual, in part because it was hard for retailers to find space to rent for a few days. But that's changing, thanks to evolving consumer habits. How we shop is forcing a shift in Canada's commercial real estate sector. I'm Sean Stanley. On this episode of Industry Interrupted, what does this evolution in real estate mean for landlords, tenants, and retailers who are trying to navigate the changing real estate landscape? We'll find out after a word from our sponsor. You work hard to get ahead, so why not make the most out of your hard-earned money? Stay ahead with Fidelity Investments. Go to fidelity.ca slash stay ahead for the latest trends affecting your financial well-being. About 15 years ago, the demise of traditional retail seemed almost inevitable. Economic forecasters, journalists, and consumer experts the world over bought into the hype. Many believe the meteoric rise of e-commerce would wipe out shopping as we know it and replace an age-old behavior with a new, completely digital marketplace. The retail apocalypse. Store closings, the death of the mall, the complete and total takeover of e-commerce. It's the end of shopping as we know it, right? CNN correspondent Paul R. LaMonica is poking fun at those who believe traditional retail would be swallowed by e-commerce. Of course, that hasn't happened. More than 90% of purchases are still made in person. But e-commerce has changed consumer expectations, and it's had an impact on how retailers do business in-store. Long gone are the days where real estate's used traditionally for, by one person for one type of use. Kyle Hume is BDO Canada's national leader of digital strategy. The advisory firm has been tracking the evolution of commercial real estate. In the early years of e-commerce, it was widely thought that physical retailers would suffer and many would not survive. While some companies took a hit, 
leaving vacant storefronts, most have adopted new ways of doing business. Kyle says he's actually seen vacancy rates start to drop in the last few years. If you look at real estate five years ago, you would hear the death of retail. E-commerce was going to take over. Um, the fact that everything was going to be online, products and services would be purchased and brought to your door. Um, while that's the case, there's a resurgence in the way in which retail is uh, being used by customers today. While stores are still open, it's what's happening inside that's different. Kyle says that's because shoppers' expectations have changed. The way in which those companies interact with their customers is changing, and it's becoming more about the experiences. Salesforce did a study that came out and said 80% of customers care just as much about the experience as much as the product or service that they're purchasing. Us as humans, our habits, our experiences, what we look for in traditional bricks and mortar stores or centers has evolved very, very fast. That quick evolution caught a lot of landlords off guard. In the past, tenants were expected to sign 5, 10, even 20-year leases. Today, landlords may be lucky to find a tenant who will sign a lease for longer than one year. And many potential tenants, like Sunwing, are often looking to rent a store for less than one week to launch a short marketing campaign. Another change is that tenants want to rent smaller units or share a space. That allows businesses to reduce overhead as more services move online. That includes big banks that don't need the large footprint they once did. Today, most people are doing a lot of their transactional banking online. So the amount of traffic that's generated by branches is is decreasing fast. Uh, And so it's shifting from a financial services sector perspective, saying how can we better use our assets for our community to increase foot traffic? One example is Tangerine Bank. It has a number of locations that double as a cafe. People who know Tangerine know we're not a typical bank. Typical banks have typical bank branches. We don't. We have cafes and now pop-up locations. You can find them in several Canadian cities, including Montreal, Calgary, and Vancouver. This trend is often referred to as co-working, and it's a model that can take many forms. A co-working space could house several small businesses that don't need or can't afford their own office. This means landlords often have more tenants and a variety of them. It's a mixture. It's a mix of technology, co-working, advertising, media, IT. It's a combination of all of these businesses are all driving the changes. That's Malcolm Silver. He's been buying and selling commercial buildings in Ontario for almost 20 years. Malcolm says landlords, big and small, must embrace the changing rental market. He's been caught off guard by a few new tenants who have approached him in the last year. Escape room and axe throwing? Oh, no. <laughs> That's the last thing I want. But they've been doing it for for over four years, and this is their 10th unit. So I was very happy they were already proven to be successful. In addition to the rise of experiential startups, Malcolm also sees the emergence of co-working as a positive trend. He says it benefits entrepreneurs and can be lucrative for landlords to have several growing companies working under one roof. I like the co-working vibe. Kind of like to be in offices that are sharp looking and where the people look like they're bright and alive and busy, you know, doing what they like to do and growing quickly. Despite the influx of new businesses, pop-up shops and co-working spaces, you'll still see plenty of for lease or alloy signs. Coming up, 
we'll meet an entrepreneur from Regina who's made it his mission to light up empty storefronts and help landlords rent them. But first, a word from our sponsor. This podcast was made possible through the support of Fidelity Investments. All over the world, Fidelity Investments is looking for inspired investment opportunities to help you make the most of your hard-earned money. Stay ahead with Fidelity Investments. Go to fidelity.ca slash stayahead for valuable investment tools and their latest insights. I'm standing on Spadina Avenue in Toronto in front of a vacant storefront. At night, this area is crawling with clubgoers. Usually, they just walk right by this empty window. But a Regina-based company has created technology designed to stop them in their tracks. There are instructions on the screen in the window where it says, to hear your cocktail being made, do the following. So we're going to start by opening our camera phone. And there is a QR code, so I'm about to give that a shot with the camera. I've tapped what came up on the screen and I am now able to hear the sound. So I'm hearing the bartender picking up and opening the bottle, pouring the liquid into a shot glass and then into a glass. Pretty cool, it's like being at the bar, but I'm standing outside in the middle of the day. Are you thirsty? I am now. With me is Nathan Elliott, founder of Frontrunner Technologies. Nathan says the company was inspired by a red light and an empty shop. Frontrunner Technologies was built from a literal light bulb moment that I had a few years ago sitting at a, a traffic light in Regina, Saskatchewan. Uh, we had just come from doing a projection mapping demonstration and we had this technology that illuminates glass surfaces. Looked over to my left and saw an empty space. There was this empty retail. And ever since then, we've set forth on an illumination mission, you know, to transform sort of the future of, of cities by delivering awe-inspiring content. Uh, so Frontrunner sits at the intersection between media and retail in the fact that we leverage empty window fronts to deliver content. Nathan describes his business as a prop tech company that works hand-in-hand with landlords. Prop tech is short for property technology, which has quickly become the biggest buzzword in commercial real estate. Another word Nathan frequently hears in the industry is disruption, but he prefers to describe recent changes in the sector in a different way. For the longest time, there's been this sort of whole conversation around the retail apocalypse that's taking place. We take a bit of a different perspective in the fact that it's in the midst of a a renaissance. Nathan estimates that about 360 million square feet of retail space currently sits empty across Canada. Some areas have lower vacancy rates, while others have more empty storefronts. Back at the virtual bar, Nathan explains why Frontrunner's technology is more effective than a sign in the window. So it's the idea of placemaking. It's an empty space, but, you know, from our perspective, it's often better than what uh, was a four-lease sign before. Here we are in a a nightlife district. Um, And so that's where we're seeing is sort of drawing these parallels between the content and the advertisers choosing this location for that very reason. And so perhaps, you know, the the new age nightlife will come through or a bar, you know, that saw this and, and pictured their possibility, you know, for the future of their bricks and mortar. 
What do you know about the people that are actually taking part in this experience? So when I scan my QR code, what are you finding out about me and what kind of data are you collecting? We make a point of not collecting uh, a lot of personal data on that front. You're an impression. You're a piece of information sort of at this point. Uh, But by that opt-in that you saw, that allows us to really connect with your mobile device for that one-off experience. It's more about that one-on-one. You're able to take that content with you with the hope that sort of Campari stays top of mind or top of ear in this case. It's that type of one-off experience many retailers are striving to achieve. It's also why pop-up shops are, well, popping up in cities and towns across Canada. Iconic brand Canada Goose is taking the trend one step further. The new flagship store that opened in Toronto this month doesn't carry any inventory. Instead, the store is being branded as a, quote, journey that takes shoppers across a faux icy crevasse into a cold room that recreates Arctic temperatures. Many analysts say we have millennials to thank for the shift, the instant generation that values experiences above all else. While this evolution spelled trouble for some retailers, Nathan believes it has breathed new life into bricks and mortar. It's about interconnectivity. The virtual world and the real world are becoming one of the same. We tend to have thought of them as silos sort of in the past, but we're seeing is sort of the integrative potential really of using the mobile device and that bricks and mortar to sort of create that experience. But we also see sort of the rise of these opportunities where groups that have had their birthright and origin sort of online space, the Warby Parkers, the Casper mattresses, that sort of thing, that are increasingly recognizing that people are craving experiences are coming into the stays. You can add Poppy Barley to that list. The Edmonton-based luxury shoe and accessory brand got its start online in 2012. The 2.5 boot here is one of Poppy Barley's iconic styles. We sell a tremendous number of these ankle boots. People love it. It has a very distinctive V-top and that perfect heel height of about two and a half inches. Kendall Barber is the co-founder of Poppy Barley. She and her sister Justine launched a line of sustainably produced footwear without any shoemaking experience. They gave themselves 100 days to sell 100 pairs of boots. They met their goal and were excited to grow their e-commerce company. But that plan didn't last long. When we were an e-commerce only business and we worked out of a shared co-working space, customers showed up anyways. (laughs) So they would find our office. They'd be like, we're here to try on the boots. Um, And so we first started by having one day a week that we had like an open house where people could come by. And then when we moved out of the co-working space and into our own office, we actually took um, about five or 600 square feet of that office space and created a showroom. Um, And people came and wanted to shop. And then from there, we added lots of pop-up shops across Canada. So it helped support our e-commerce strategy. And very quickly, the business case paved the way and said, hey, you guys should have a store. Poppy Barley now has two permanent locations, one in their hometown of Edmonton and a second in Calgary. They also frequently run pop-up shops in cities across Canada to introduce the brand to more customers. Landlords weren't keen to rent space to such short-term tenants, but that's no longer the case. The biggest players, they were just hard nose, and now they're like, sure, here's all the vacant space that we have. It's changed really, really quickly, and it has allowed us to do things that weren't possible two or three years ago. That change has led to significant increase in revenue for Poppy Barley. Kendall estimates that about 60% of their sales are now made in-store, a surprising statistic for an e-commerce success story. 
Poppy Barley does have plans for further expansion, but their vision is much different from what retailers would have done even five years ago. We definitely have more plans to open stores. I think the nature of those stores, whether they're like a longer term temp, so like a six months to one year versus doing like a traditional five year lease um, is a strategy that we're playing with a little bit right now. I just think there's so much opportunity to create experiences um, and play in retail space. And that kind of the idea of a five or a 10 year lease is a bit passe. Kendall's words might not be music to the ears of landlords, but her company's business model is becoming more and more common. And while stores and events might come and go more quickly, there should be a lot of experiences to take in. Uh, I think it's time for me to head back to the beach in downtown Toronto. That's a wrap on Season 2 of Industry Interrupted. Want to hear a Season 3? Here's what you need to do. Leave us a review and a comment, and subscribe if you haven't already. Tell your friends and family about the series. Better yet, just grab their phones and subscribe for them. We're joking. Well, half-joking. I'm Sean Stanley. Industry Interrupted is produced by Stephanie Chan, Tara Deschamps, Anne Lang, and Laura Regeer. Thanks to our sponsor, Fidelity Investments. <laughs>